Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Today we welcome Andrew Moss. For over 30 years, Andrew has coached a diverse audience from 7 to 78, from Olympic athletes to tech CEOs. Andrew understands the mindset of those motivated to make a difference in the world, the mental blocks that can get in the way of them, expressing their full potential. Andrew's current work includes work with socially minded entrepreneurs, leaders tackling inner city violence and the criminal justice system, private clients who've capped out their careers and want to write a next chapter of purposeful impact. He lives in Toronto, his partner Monique, and he attempts, I love that, to play dad to four daughters. Goodness me. <laughs> Welcome to TNT, Andrew. So grateful to have you with us. Well, thanks, Reese. It's great, as we, as we mentioned before we started, it's great to finally put uh, a voice and a face to a lot of online engagement that we've had over the last year online. Indeed. As we said in the introduction, a plethora of experience, iterations, knowledge, wisdom around the whole coaching spectrum. So before we hit record, we had a little usual tete-a-tete and we decided that the idea of coaching, its iterations and the social change, the impact that that has through coaching is really what is on your heart at the moment. And I couldn't think of anything more interesting to, to dive into here. So as we always say, Andrew, how did, how did this become your passion, your, your obsession in a good way? Where does this um, coaching coaching come from and why is it so important and, and how has it shifted to that social change? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back a little ways because I think the more I get into the work I'm doing now, the more I see the you know, the old Steve Jobs line of the dots are connecting quite obviously looking backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was young, I was an athlete. I had some great coaches when I was a young young kid growing up. And those coaches really had a profound impact on me at a young age. I was not a great physical athlete, but they really helped me mentally feel like I was capable of doing whatever I wanted and whatever I tried. I know that's sort of a catchphrase in sports coaching, but they were genuine people, these coaches. They were not rah-rah type coaches. They actually made me feel a certain way about myself that significantly shifted the way I thought about what I wanted to do in my career and after university. And and I I tell the story quite often that in grade, I think it was grade nine or 10, we had careers class. My number one career at that age was to be a coach. My second was to be a chef. I'm still working on that one. (laughs) The coaching thing has worked out, thankfully. But it was about how those coaches had made me feel that drove me to want to get into coaching in the first place. So now that's 40 years ago. I am working with inner city kids. I'm working with kids who are in prison and hopefully coming out soon. And we're really trying to help them have that same feeling that I had as a 12, 13, 14 year old. We're trying to teach young people how to have that and how their mind works and how a lot of what's happening around them that they actually do have a little bit of control over how that impacts them on the inside and and therefore the actions they take as a result. It's amazing to think that in 30 years of coaching, that same message has really been consistent, you know, working with an Olympic athlete, 
on how their mind works because physically they're capable of incredible things. But behind that is a human being just as fragile as anyone else. And so working with their mind there, working with entrepreneurs on how to solve important problems and how to feel a confidence to do so and shut off the exterior noise that they're going to hear as they move forward. And then these kids who've come from just incredibly challenging situations, how do you give them a sense of possibility in their life? They have taught me so much in the last number of years of working with that group that it really does feel like the thing I'm going to do for the rest of my coaching career is to take all of this body of knowledge and experience and really apply it to helping solve some of these really challenging issues that we face. I led a session today with a a group of leaders and inevitably there's questions that come up, of course, and questions are sometimes very pointed. There's an arrow that's like, how do I do this? How do I get my people to do like this? In the answering, well, you don't get them to do that. You have to take like 10 steps back and look, remember, this is a whole person. So you have to sort of be the investigator with the magnifying glass and you have to be able to blow up every area and arena of their life that has the potential to impact the arrow that you're trying to aim right now as a coach. And this is what it sounds like you're talking about is the capacity of getting to know the fullness of someone. So you know everything that could be impacting at any moment an action or desirable outcome that they're aiming for. A little bit. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. With some of these situations, you actually have to start at a much simpler place of actually sitting with somebody And just having an empathy for how they're feeling, not suggesting that you understand how they're feeling, but just actually seeing them and recognizing that they are feeling something that is a real human emotion that maybe I've felt in a different situation at some point and that they are okay. They have the capacity to, let me take a step back. The biggest thing that we've seen is that these kids have never understood that there is that space between action and reaction. They've never understood that the sort of the Viktor Frankl, that there's that moment there to choose how something is going to impact you. They've been brought up in a life of, of reaction. The awareness of what's happening in their mind and being able to slow down to notice that is actually the fundamental shift that gets them going in a new direction. Because as soon as they can notice that, then they can actually see what's happening in the moment when that, because the emotions is, is like, you know, you put your hand on the hot plate. It's when you start feeling the heat, but it's been there for a second or two, right? And so they've never understood that whole process. We don't try to go much further than that when we start with them. When you start feeling something, we want you to just go and notice what's happening in the moment. And just sit with that for a second. You're allowed to feel that way. It's a human thing to feel that way. And if you just sit with it, there's a chance you might be able to let it go past and not do something with it. That changes people's lives who've never Mm -hmm. understood that. That's the starting point. And then I think from there, they realize that so much of their past has been built around not knowing that and react to things. And they kind of have a choice to just leave that behind and not carry it as part of their story anymore. Then they can open up and and like you said, look at all of those areas. And they're at such a fundamental starting point when we meet them oftentimes Mm -hmm. that you you really just have to teach them that the funny thing is it's, yes, it's applied to 
kids on the street and kids in prison. But as you guys know, most of the coaching we do is <laughs> teaching people who've had lots of privilege exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. Like they are getting in their own way by not understanding how their mind's sabotaging them. So it's a very basic starting point, but then it definitely goes into the area that you talked about, Teresa, eventually. From what you shared so far and what we what we were talking before we hit record, there's a lot of processes that you go through. There are a lot of practices and, and things you can work with people to teach them, but it, it seems like it really just comes down to that human being. It comes down to that human connection at the end. So I'm interested to know how that kind of evolved from being you know, a CEO and an Olympic athlete, kind of thing, to the teenagers, to the, to the inner city kids, to the the kids in jail is it is it because there's a more of a, a purity you can really tap into that in an easier state because they don't have all of that other stuff to work through first you you kind of it, it, what is it about that that is most appealing to you or, or, or feels like you can create the most impact yeah that's a great question i think i reached a point where i was dealing with people who've had a lot of privileged experience in their life and i was seeing that they were a little messy <laughs> You know, despite all that. <laughs> and you can make a great living as a coach dealing with that, right? But I just remember meeting a couple of other coaches who kind of had gone down that path as well and chased, chased you know, working with all that, those people. And then just fundamentally realized that that's going to never stop being a problem if we don't go and fix the source of the problem. I just kind of said, you know, like, I want to be part of that. I want to try to get to the source of where the problems start. And that's in, in the young minds, right? In kids in school, kids who, who fall out of school because it's not designed for the way that they process life. And I also thought, you know, because I work with a lot of social entrepreneurs too, is I work with university students who are trying to solve environmental challenges and, and these other challenges. And I was watching them all create these very fancy solutions that were addressing the symptoms of human behavior. Climate change is the symptom of human behavior. You know, when I walk down the beach in Toronto and there's litter on the side of the beach, that's human behavior problem. It's not more garbage cans problem. I also sort of had this sense that we're not really hitting the mark when we're trying to solve problems. If we're only looking at symptoms and technology and all that, we need to actually get to the source of who's creating the problem in the first place and understand when somebody walks down the beach and drops their can on the beach and doesn't think anything of that, there's something going on there that a human being hasn't understood sort of where they sit in the grand scheme of things in relation to the planet, in nature, one another, you know, because there's a disconnect there somewhere. And I was just, I was curious about what would it be like to solve some of these social challenges by really trying to address some of the human element within them. And that really sparked my curiosity. You know, I've never sort of been a inside the box sports coach when, even when I was coaching, I was always very curious, talked to a lot of people in other industries to understand how they improved performance. And so I think that's kind of lent to me being a lot broader in my curiosity. And I'm glad because I think that everything I've learned over my career can be super valuable if it's applied to some of these really important issues. What I'm hearing in there is a little bit of the underpinnings of addressing the human ego, the thinking space of the false sense of self, I'm inferior to, I'm superior to, I'm going to drop this piece of litter because I'm superior to 
And so this is the behavior I believe is okay for me as an individual. So I'm curious because in that description, is it that people are simply not thinking or is it that what they're thinking? I think that's a tough question for me to answer in a generality. I, I think that there's probably both, but I think that there's got to be a disconnect between whether it's what they're thinking or the lack of thinking and their behavior and the impact of their behavior on other people. So I don't know that somebody would not know that throwing a bunch of garbage on the beach is the wrong thing to do. My sense is that as a human being, at some point you would have picked that up. So maybe it's ego. Maybe it's just, there's definitely a group of people you'll meet in life who kind of don't see the consequence of their behavior. They kind of believe things are going to be the way they are. And my consequence isn't going to make much of a difference. It's, you know, the people that are going out during COVID, there's a sense of disconnect that their behavior is somehow related to other people. But it's an interesting question, the way you posed it. I think that, that there is a lack of understanding in general of people of this issue that I talked about with, with young people that we're working with of the mind, emotion, action, connection. I think if we did a better job educating people about that, they wouldn't perhaps develop the scars on the brain that they have through their life that might lead them to behaving the way you described in, in sort of like an it's not my problem if I throw this, this garbage out, it's somebody else's problem attitude. That's got to come from a lot of scars along the way to end up in that place would be my interpretation of that. All I know is that I think we can address that early. We stand a better chance and, and we can address it at any stage. I mean, this is the beautiful thing of teaching people in, through coaching is that we can help people shape their lives in a completely new way at any point. Yeah, I don't know if that's a direct answer to your question because it's a tricky question and very hard to specifically say one way or the other. Yeah, and I think that probably speaks to when you look at performance or behavior, we can call it either or, maybe we can interchange that for a moment. It will be based a little bit on potential of that individual plus the amount of interference. So my performance and behavior can only be as powerful as my potential plus how many interferers I have in the way, or maybe it's minus my interference and interference could be that my social awareness is very low. My own self-awareness is very low. My emotional well-being is very low. I have interference from trauma. Like the interference factors can add up quite a bit. And that ultimately will detract from our ability to reach our potential, which will detract from our performance capacity or result in the kinds of behaviors we display. Yeah, I, I think inherent in what you just said is an assumption that we allow those interferences to impact us, to have an effect on us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I worked with a young guy this in the last few months who's lost 11 family members in the last three years. And he lives in a, in a tough neighborhood in a tough city in the U.S. But he delivers the most positive, inspiring information about the transformation he has gone through of understanding how to deal with this. He's a 20 year old, he's teaching elementary school kids how he's learned to manage what happens in the outside world in a, in a whole new way. And you know, when you ask him how he's dealt with all these interferences in his life, it's really just that he just does not let them 
change the direction that he's chosen to go for himself. Five years ago, he would have been in a meltdown. Mm -hmm. I think the equation works, except that I, I do think that there's a choice of interference, of how interference, how much we're going to let it push us off our path too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, we take the assumption that an interference is always going to be a negative, whether it's an impact short term or whether it's a long term conscious or unconscious. When I was hearing you talk there, it made me think about, you know, I'm still going to pick on this. You know, what is it about these, these younger people maybe who've had traumatic experiences? What is it that you love? And I'm just looking at it from one lens, like, how can I help them? But then I thought, well, we go back to that student teacher dynamic all, all in one. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, these, these, as you described, stereotype CEO, messy types, you know, you're there to help them, you're there to serve them, you're there to fix something. Whereas these other ones, there's just as much juice for you, like mm -hmm. you're doing this stuff, but you are getting so much back from them. And I feel like that is the real impact and Im impulse that it's why you've taken that that route away from the kind of perhaps more lucrative high-end type of clients to a more purposeful higher purpose uh, impactful decision um so the question i want to talk about is is you as a coach so for me i believe in lifelong personal development so you know you've had a huge iteration through all of your lifetime experiences your coaching experiences so i'm interested to know do you have a coach these days? One of our mutual friends, Paul, who has been a bit of an inspiration for me and how I always ask him questions and things. And he, in turn, always mentions you as his kind of one, someone that he goes to. I know you have a little mastermind group. And I'm wondering, I sense you also have that same belief that there's always more to learn. There's always deeper to go. There's always higher to climb. And I wanted to know, coach is coach with you know, all this experience. Who is it who's inspiring you? Who is it who's teaching you? And, and, and what is it you're, you're learning from a professional point, does that still yeah. happen or is it something you've moved beyond? Oh, it still happens. It's always happened. Uh, it's been part of my entire career. I used to take three months sabbaticals every four years when I was sports coach and I'd go and live somewhere in the world with, with a coach who was coaching at a much higher level than I was. I had a mentor in Australia that every time I went there, every morning there would be a stack of papers or books for me to read and Every evening we would debrief and it was just like, that was part of becoming the best coach I could. And today I have paid for coaching to have my own coach. I've got mastermind groups, like you mentioned with Paul and Andrea, who I think you've also talked to Andrea Clough. I've created my own coaching community where we do, I do a free coaching session every Wednesday and, and I bring coaches together and I hear how they approach things. The hired coaching that I've done has been interesting because I, it certainly opened me up to seeing sort of the whole coaching coaches side of the industry. It's a really interesting part of what I do, the coaching industry, in the sense that you can be, you know, on that path of high paying clients and building a, a big successful coaching practice. And it can lead you down a path where you're actually spending a lot more time focused on yourself than you are on serving your clients. And I found there was a point in that pursuit and following certain coaches that it didn't feel right for me anymore. It felt like it was never going to be enough. It was like, I have to double my rates. I have to double my rates. I have to be more selective. I have to, you know, have this perfect client. And it's not why I got into coaching in the first place, as I mentioned. So I kind of drifted away from that and I've really surrounded myself with other coaches who have different lived experiences. I learn as much from rookie coaches as I do from mentor coaches because they see the world in a different way. 
people often say to me that I kind of approach things as a novice, which I take that as a compliment because I think it's just being open to always learning and always having your assumptions challenged is, is really powerful. And it's actually funny enough, the reason I left sports coaching was I was at a conference in, in New York and uh, the format of the conference was, it was around sports performance, but the panels they had were made up of one person from sports, one person from business and one person from a completely different field. And they were all talking on exactly the same topic. I remember sitting through the first talk and it was called uh, Performance Under Pressure. They had a Formula One pit crew guy that organizes the pit crew. They had a neurosurgeon from New York City and they had a director from Broadway. I remember sitting through that panel and if I had closed my eyes, I couldn't have told you which job each one had. Their job was exactly the same as one another. That conference changed everything for me. I saw that we were dealing with high-performing human beings. Didn't matter the context. And everything I had learned could be applied into a lot of different areas. And so that was a real shift point for me to go into to a much broader approach to coaching and approach to, to helping people. I am constantly being coached by people. I'm constantly around coaches who are think differently. Teresa and I first met, it was like talking about coaching and, you know, Teresa does you know, emotional intelligence and I'm working in a different area, but we have something to learn from each other because it's all human related, constantly open to being around people that can challenge me. Because at the end of the day, you learn another tool to add to your kit as a coach. I, I think you're only going to be as successful as to how many tools you can get in your kit because your job is to be able to provide for the person across from you. And not every tool, as we know, <laughs> not every tool works for every person. No. There have been so many things that I have adapted from other people and put twists on them or combined with mm. four other tools into something unique and new and different. So that capacity of approaching with a novice mindset, I love that. What do you think you gain most by approaching from a novice mindset when you're working with someone? Well, I think I go into every coaching conversation with, with no agenda, no structure, and an assumption that I don't know at all what's really going on with this person. Even after as many years as I've had, it would be very easy to slip into the, oh, I've seen this one before mm -hmm. mindset. And then if you're really coaching, you would miss 90% of what they actually are saying, what's behind what they're saying, mm -hmm. if you're already in your space of, oh, I know what to do next. So I think the novice mindset when it comes to coaching now is really just trusting that all of the body of knowledge I have and the tools are in me and the right ones will show up, but I've got to pay attention. I've got to be with this person. I need to not be in my head. I need to to sense what's going on. I need to be curious about what's behind the words. And if I do that, I know the right next step is going to show up. That, that's a hard thing to teach without some reps behind you. But, you know, I also think that a lot of new coaches don't trust that that's actually part of being a human being, that we have pretty good intuition if we, if we quiet this thing down a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. That's a great question because I love that really helped bring clarity for me is that that is 
me showing up as a novice coach of having no assumption that I have any clue what's about to happen. And that's actually the secret probably of, I joke with Paul and Andre every Friday that's like, they almost have a tally board of how many people did you make cry this guy this week? <laughs> like on a first conversation. Yeah. And that's not about a technique. That's about actually noticing what's actually happening and questioning that. You guys know this, you know, most people are like one well-crafted question away from, from some emotion, especially if they're choosing to have a conversation with a coach for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there's so much there you said that really resonates with me, and particularly the the idea of the the non agenda, the no frameworks, the attention, the generative listening, and uh, yeah, sorry, I was looking down, I was trying to find this quote that came to my mind. It was about a post I did recently, and it's you're talking about um, <clears throat> a novice mindset, but for me, from a from a Zen Buddhist idea, it's the beginner's mind. So there was a there's a famous quote, it's a Zen master Shinryu Suzuki. Um, so I just read it. So. If your mind is empty, it is always ready for anything. It is open to everything. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. So to, to link that back to the idea of these master coaches, and you kind of have this kind of, <clears throat> oh, they're a master coach. They can teach me how to do this. And then you kind of, you fall into that role of, of being that person who only wants to hear the solution to that one problem. And then also being the master coach, you fall into the role of being, providing that one um <clears throat> that one solution that they're looking for whereas as you said you're not really connecting or listening to the to the human being behind the problem and you kind of fall into um <clears throat> a role play a, a repetitive act that you've done before and, and mm. through that repetition you're losing some of that real you know say quietly the, the extra bit that is really going to help you have that connection with this person and really see beyond because people will come to you with a problem and you're like, oh, okay, I can help you with that problem, but I need to help you see that that isn't really the problem. And we need to look behind that and we need to go deeper and deeper. And only through having this kind of open mind that we can really um, <clears throat> model that behavior, but also be um, <clears throat> free to, to look beyond what they're really asking for. You know, give them, sell them what they want, give them what they need kind of idea. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and don't me, take the beat. Like you're also talking about like, don't take the bait because people will dangle things out there okay. to distract you <laughs> from, <laughs> don't ask me what I think you might want to ask me next because I don't want to go there. It's super uncomfortable. And yeah. the expert novice can see that and go, we'll just let that one slide. I'm waiting for the gold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always have this, the, the one question that's always in my mind when I open up a conversation is, is why aren't, why haven't they figured this out for themselves? Like what, what is not clear here was what is getting in the way of and why are they having to ask somebody else to help them see mm -hmm. the path and just being curious about that opens up all kinds of layers of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I want to oh, Reese you said something you triggered a, a, a memory of mine um, that I've it's funny how many times I've told this story but my daughter, my second oldest daughter, actually goes to school in uh, Teresa's town there. Um, when she was about seven, we were at the local um, coffee and donut shop. And the girl serving us was clearly not sort of super happy to be working that day or whatever. Um, she went about her business and gave us you know, what we asked for and the money back and all that. And we walked away and, and Katrina said to me, She's like, you know, if that girl had a more happy mindset, she'd probably sell a lot more coffee and donuts, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I just thought to myself, like, just as you were talking and we were talking about sort of the beginner's mindset is she, Katrina had this beautifully open mind to, to notice what was going on and, and, and the, the implications of what was going on and had curiosity about why she was showing up in this way. Um, the funny thing is she went on to work for that company during high school and now she's doing HR in, in university. So I think she's going to do just fine in life because she's always had that sense about people and how they're showing up and the impact of that. Um, and so that was like, just as we were talking, that was a memory of a true beginner's mind at seven or eight years old. Um, and, you know, I just think that's a place we can all come from. You know, what is to be curious about? Why would she show up? She's got a job. She's, you know, get paid to do this. Why, what's going on there? And, you know, that's the curiosity I love to bring to every conversation, you know, and including with these kids who, you know, are sitting in prison or, you know, come through a rough time. It's like, actually kind of being there with them to, and having them feel seen is, is honestly like all you really need to do for them. So interesting you talk about the, the kids in prison because um, you know, often we talk to clients and they're talking about, oh, this idea that I'm stuck or I, I, there's no free, there's nothing I can do, but it's all a kind of self-imposed mental uh, construct for them. But the people you're talking about is actually a physical construct there that they actually they are stuck. They can't do the, they don't have the freedom. I'm wondering how that tweaks, how you um, connect with them or, or what that has helped and, and vice versa, how that has helped you the other way around to kind of change the way that you would, the script that you would use or what's that taught you? Yeah, I mean, I'm learning a lot about this from some of the people I'm working with, but I think that the biggest thing, if, if you listen to the, to the, to the young men typically that are in prison, the, the freedom of mind um, is, a, is a massive part of what, what they're looking for. Um, they know they're physically gonna be limited in terms of where they can and can't go for a while, but the freedom to make a decision on how that affects them and how their interactions with other inmates and the guards affects them um, opens up a whole lot of possibility. Um, and they also do start thinking about life after prison in a whole new way. The, 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 the prisons have actually uh, got the statistics to say that when the program, it's called the Insight Alliance, the program that does this, when that program started, the, the number of students that or the number of inmates that then registered for other personal development programs went up dramatically. Mm -hmm because the, the sense of there was a chance that they could create their own future opened up all this possibility. And they'd never understood that that was a, their choice up until that part, point in their life. And to be honest, it's, it's heartbreaking when you talk to a 25 year old who's been sitting there for seven or eight years to think if somebody had helped him understand this when he was 12 mm -hmm. and starting to be around you know, negative energy, energy um, you see what a beautiful human being is, is still there and what they could have done with that. And so that's, you know, when we go back to why am I doing this? Like those conversations are hard. You don't shake those conversations. Um, so, you know, it's, 
can't remember the original where we started on this question, but I know that that work is, you know, fundamental, I think, both to fixing the criminal justice system, but also most of the social challenges that we face is if we can find a way to get this, these conversations into schools, the work you guys do into, into schools and help young people have a better understanding, um, mm -hmm. it, it can make such a massive difference in, in the direction that society goes in the future. Here, here, which is perfect segue for our hashtag not anymore, which is where we leave our audience with the practical I can do this right now. Mm -hmm. When you talk about how coaching and tools within coaching have this capacity to impact social change, a lot of that starts here with me. So how do I shift what I'm doing so I am a positive influence to the social reality, to the social dynamic? So what would you like to offer our listeners as the, here's a nugget, here's something that you can either start doing or perhaps even something you can stop doing like the not anymore, like stop doing this, <laughs> that they can put in their toolkit and be able to start doing differently so they can, or be different so they can start do different. Yeah. Well, I love the way you frame that question because you're right, you know, we talk about social change and, and a lot of people go to you know fixing things out there right but mm -hmm. it all starts by fix, starting with within ourselves and how we show up for other people so i'd say two things um i love the tagline we, we work with a group in chicago called rebels for peace their tagline is every action don't need a reaction um which i love that would be a hashtag um my English teacher would cringe, but that's it's perfect language. It's right. And the how to of that is to is to go back to what I said earlier, which is notice, you know, when you're feeling emotions or feeling a sense of 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 unwellness, you know, and to be honest, I think even when you're feeling great is to is to go and try to understand the source of that. And this is not like a 15 minute meditation. This is just noticing what's going on right now that's creating this way that I'm feeling. And just be with that, even if it's for just a few seconds and then go about your, your day. That shift for people will fundamentally change their life because uh, they will just realize they are, they are not just robots that react to the outside world. They, they are choosing and creating what comes next, and that would be the that would be the call to action. Really, is that just a little bit more mindful, aware um, society? I, and then, once you've learned how to do that for yourself, I challenge you to go find somebody else to teach it to. It won't be that hard to find other people. Will not be that hard. Look to but the left, will, look to the right. There you go. <laughs> well, what what's interesting though? My wife and I had a good chat about this because. That, she was really struggling with this in her corporate life. Um, and when she was able to figure this out for herself, it's like miraculously, her boss was a lot easier to get along with. <laughs> I was like, hmm, <laughs> interesting, right? And so the world reacts to us differently when we show up differently too. So you will notice a general improvement of, of the world around you. 
And then yes, you will have no problem finding some people that could still probably use a little bit, bit of help. And my biased call would be to go find some young people to help, whether it's your own children or community groups, you know, schools. Um, I just think if we can get them on the right track when they're seven, eight, 10 years old, you know, the world will be a lot better place that we've left for them than, than it is right now. Yeah, here, here. I was a reactionary kid. And I couldn't even say Me like too. into my early 20s. So if mm -hmm. I would have learned I didn't have to ride every wave when I was seven or eight, that could have spared me a lot of spanks. Mm -hmm. That's how I was disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was such a great tip. Now, people always, when they're listening, want to be able to then follow the individual that's been speaking and sharing all of their wisdom and, and experience. So what would be the best way for people to get in touch with you, Andrew? And, and do you have like some things that are on the horizon that you want to share with our listeners as well that they can check out? Well, um, I have a website, coachandrewmoss.com. Um, every morning I go to see the sunrise, which um, is on my Instagram, which is also Coach Andrew Moss. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, easy to find there. And I think a lot of the things that I care a lot about, I, I do share on LinkedIn. Um, I work with a lot of social entrepreneurs and I really try to promote the work they're doing. I talk about the programs that I'm working with in prisons and in, in inner city. Um, so if anybody wants to get involved or find a way to support, just it's really just connecting with me and you know, there's a hundred ways we could do something together. I'm very collaborative. I love working with other people who are already passionate about, you know, their own projects and helping them find a way to be more effective. Um, so I, yeah, I'd welcome people to reach out. Beautiful. Thank you. So we come to the rapid fire Q and A. <laughs> do you need to do any preparation breathing? No, I, I am born ready. Yeah. Born ready. Excellent. Love it. Okay. Five questions. Number one, which emotion catches you off guard most often? Oh, wow. Uh, surprise. And what do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? I don't think I try to regulate it. I try to, no I try to notice it. Uh, I, I actually embrace it. What's next in your personal evolution? Oh, um, I think um, detaching from our mortgage. <laughs> There's a whole story there, but this is rapid fire. But yeah, just freedom, freedom to move. Mm, love it. Number four, <laughs> when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? Mm. Wait. Mm. Does your weight stand for anything or is it simply weight? Yeah, it's it really stands for just give it time. Be be with, you know, I, I, I would never, and I've learned this through my life, I've never tried to tell people the way they're feeling is wrong. It's just to know that if they sit with it and it will go away and they'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And last but not least, in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? Well, uh, 
to get my girls, which you can see in the background there, all of us together, um, all together. Yeah, that's what I'm most looking forward to because we're all in different places right now. Mm. Oh man, can mm -hmm. we have a moment with that? <laughs> it would be nice. And, and, and parents and, you know, I've, I've got uh, parents in their 80s who, who I haven't seen in almost a year now, which mm -hmm. is um, scary and um, gives you perspective on how to live the next you know, uh, years of my life as well. Spend as much time as possible together. Mm. Thank you for that. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your story, your experiences, your techniques. Just beautiful. I know our audience will just eat it up. Thank you so much. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to finally get us all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Um, and really, thank you for your honesty. You know, you're always very uh, truthful in everything you share. You, you know, it's, it's great to hear the, the real driving force behind that is, is this social change and, and, and see how that has evolved. And, and, you know, you've been on all these roller coasters and coming back to that source, to that essence, to that thing. And then we talk about a lot. We always deal with people who have, you know, conditioned experiences in a negative way. And then we're like, well, let's just flip that on the right. Let, let's, let's put positive conditioning on these people. And the way we do that is to start as early as possible. And hearing your, your stories there is really inspiring. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I hope people will take something from that and see people who are coming from challenging situations in, in maybe a slightly different way. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com. 